Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark and Dave Skull here. Didn't want to remind you guys, DraftKings Sportsbook, they're an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, which begin tomorrow. And they are bringing you an offer that's going to help make the playoffs electrifying. And you might need them to be electrifying with how cold it's going to be. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets if you do so. They've got all of your playoff lines uh, there already as well as same-game parlays and such. I mean, look, I would be looking at the under in the Buffalo game, for instance, where they're talking about wins in excess of 60 miles an hour and as much as a foot of snow on game day. I would take the under, for instance. Why? That's one. <laughs> but everyone can get a no-sweat same-game parlay as well on every single playoff game as well. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TheVille. New customers are going to bet 5 bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code TheVille. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. you got to be 18 or older. Physically present in Kentucky when you make your bets. The bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Opt-in is required. One no-sweat token issued per eligible day after opt-in. No-sweat bonus bet issued based on the amount of losing qualifying bet eligibility. Max rewards limits and deposit restrictions all apply. All these terms can be found at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. I never feel more like Jimbo Fisher than when I read that thing. Yeah. She's talking all fast. I can talk fast as it is, but it just Look sort of brings man. out the artist in me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's always fun. I never know how fast to say my, you know, my uh, reads. Well, the, the, the post, what am I? trying to say like i lose words this is what i do i lose words i lose time. words yeah i lose them i lose words i want to find new professional terms and conditions find them yeah you this know. is the rough uh terms and conditions. now i'm losing them yeah it's it's a it's it's the that's not what i'm going for you struggle with uh, the fine print yeah fine print terms and conditions uh there's another word that has been in my vocabulary since i was a young child that i can't remember <laughs> Must be important it'll, then. Oh, it'll come to me like when we're in the middle of a disclaimers. Topic. Boom! There he is. Huh. All right, disclaimers. And I was sitting here like I, I was worried that we were going to be in the middle of talking about NC State, and I was going to be like disclaimers. 
You know, it just hits you. No, and you have to I, say I do it. the same thing. You have to say it. And it's well, funny. it I, agonizes you. And then when oh, you yeah. finally get it, like, I'm not holding it in again. No, I have to say it right. before I forget it. <laughs> exactly. Before I forget it. And you know me, like, I trivia same. is my thing. Things like that drive me crazy. It's the same with my vocabulary, like words that I've known since I was eight. <laughs> I'll forget. And it'll drive me nuts. I'm still like mid-sentence. As a radio professional, can't remember the word disclaimers. Yeah. <laughs> That'll happen. We will go ahead and open up the phone lines here. 8150-939 if you want to get in here. 3831-939 for the UPS Jobs Tech Sign. We've been talking about the big... National college football news of the day. Kalen DeBoer has already uh, has now informed uh, the, the brass there at Washington. He is heading to Alabama to replace Nick Saban. They get that coaching search done in two days. But get a handful of guys races in the meantime. Hey, you wouldn't be doing your job if you were Jimmy Sexton unless you put every one of your top clients in that in that list. And he'll now turn and do the same thing with the Washington job. Yeah. Although it looks like everyone the the collective wisdom seems to be that they will court they will uh, promote the uh, coordinator Ryan Grubb uh, there. Which is what I was hoping would happen with Dan Lanning and Will Stein at Oregon. But, you know, what are you going to do? He didn't go. Since we are talking about assistant coaches on the move, however, was interesting to see Brian Brown, uh, the uh, the all-time, I, I think, one of the Scott uh, Satterfield loyalists, uh, leaving Cincinnati. It has been reported now heading to Ole Miss, with, uh, where his alma mater, yeah. uh, to join Lane Kiffin's staff there. Uh, I wonder uh, if what this might say, because I think he's had opportunities to do this sort of thing in the past. Even here at Louisville, Tennessee came after him hard, hard uh, under uh, Scott when they first hired uh, their mm -hmm. current coach, when they hired Josh Heupel now. Uh, but he is heading there now. It, I can't help but hear that and think he no longer thinks he can become a head coach from working for Scott. I, I think that's a, a, a safe summation. As Not you said, with the way things are now. As you said, he's had – you know, myriad opportunities in the past to do this. Yep. And it feels like there's been a turning in the worm. You know what I mean? And in, in the Satterfield stratosphere where they're looking at it going, I don't know, man, four and eight. First year at Cincinnati. It doesn't feel like we're getting a, a foothold. Mm -mm. Uh, we're, they probably were a little, some of them might've been questioning the move from Louisville to Cincinnati. You know what I mean? Just as far as like, Parallel, you know, uh, lateral move, just not a or a downgrade, you know, in, in our minds at least, but at best a lateral move. <sighs> wasn't able to make it at Louisville. Not long term, like you knew it just wasn't going to work out long term. At some point, he he looks at the Satterfield Express as not like it's not the right train to be attached to anymore. And he needs to get out from under him to go get a head coaching job somewhere. And we're better than the SEC and Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin. Especially with that Ole Miss team next year. And you get latitude on defense with Lane Kiffin, I'm sure. You know, you get to run the, the system you want to run. A lot of yeah, a lot of margin for error there because they're gonna that you're too. gonna get run support. Right? Yeah, exactly. You're gonna get a forty point a game offense or at least, you know, thirty, thirty five points worse and unless you're playing a saving defense as we saw. Well, I'm looking at, uh, for instance, on on 24/7, they're you know because they do a good job ranking everybody. So in like Louisville's recruiting class overall, so with transfers and high school, it's 35, yeah. and they're bringing in Louisville 31 guys. Cincinnati's bringing in 34 guys. They're 52. They have one four-star guy. 
Like it's just a Satterfield ass class. <laughs> that God. sounds accurate too. I, I believe Doesn't every it? one of them. <laughs> oh, uh, you guys enjoy sorry, that. I, I just I, I I there's nothing sexy about Satterfield at, at Cincinnati. You know, it's not like it was particularly exciting at Louisville. You know, but but that first he at least got the first year. You know, we at least got to see what his offense looks like. You know what I mean? Like in, in in a fresh conference, they weren't really adjusted to it yet. We didn't know how limited he was going forward. You know, and and we saw it in in a almost ideal form with a speedster that could take the top off the defense in the passing game. That kind of hid some of the uh, the shortcomings. You know, in the complexity of the passing game and. He could cover up with some other personnel, you know, and, and Cincinnati didn't even get that. They didn't get a honeymoon with Satterfield. He came in and was immediately a failure. And I don't know where they go from here in the Big 12 because it's getting harder. They brought in four more teams. I realized that they're not elite teams that they brought in, but they're, they're spending and there's potential. It's just four more teams they have to deal with on the West Coast. And – including Colorado, by the way, which has potential to be a decent program going forward, and they have a dynamic personality at head coach. Arizona certainly does. Arizona, yeah. Jet Arizona Fish. had a – Man, if I was Washington, I would be thinking about Jed Fish and the job he did at Arizona. But they were impressive this year. Uh, they were unexpected and really and in, in a very good and strong and deep a Pac-12. great year in the Pac-12. They were part Arizona of it. Arizona was no part doubt. of it, not and being an afterthought. I've always thought of Arizona. You tell me if this sounds nuts to you. Like I have the I have the distant memories of when they were preseason number one. When they you know they, they had a great defense that was kind of quirky and weird. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, in the nineties, and then basically Arizona football is West Coast NC State. Like hmm. you feel like they ought to be better. There's there's things to be there. Uh, there are things in place for them to be better and certainly be better on like a regular basis, and they just never are. And they finally seem to have put it together pretty well last year. They pop up every once in a while, yeah. you know, with a 10-win yeah. season. And this year they were great. And obviously Utah's been the best program in the Pac-12 probably overall in the last five years, I would say. They had with Oregon. multiple, yeah, they multiple, Oregon for sure. yeah, but multiple Pac-12 championships. Oregon and Washington were the known quantities, but Utah, winning, I mean, they really – they kind of ran the conference for a couple years up until this year. Um, I mean, you got Utah and Arizona both coming in with established head coaches, or at least an up-and-coming head coach and an established head coach. I mean, that's two more teams that Cincinnati's behind. Colorado, potentially. Arizona State, who knows? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Right. We don't know with Arizona State. But it's only getting harder is what I'm trying to get at with Cincinnati winning in the Big 12. And I, I just don't – I don't see it, man. I don't see it with Satterfield. I mean, I don't think that's any groundbreaking. I said that from the beginning, and we've all kind of pointed it left at Cincinnati. And I think it's only a matter of, of when, not if, he washes out there. He's not a long-term guy there. Cincinnati fans are already upset. They're, they're already done with him. They were done with him almost the day he got hired. And by, like, week four, they were just like, all right, get me off this train. Texture says, I bet Scott is Jimmy's most boring client. I, I mean, of all, you know the the the, uh, the picture of Diddy where he's like counting money, and he's got all these yeah. like hundreds in his hand, and then there's a the one one dollar bill, and he's looking at it like, what are you doing in here? 
that is Scott Satterfield for Jimmy Sexton. Yeah. He's like, you know, Dan Lanning and Steve Sarkeesian and Kalen DeBoer and all and then Mike Norvell. Oh, God. You, what do you want? How'd you get in here? <laughs> the best use ever of that I know what meme was Keith Wynn. When, when he talked, I think it's his, his, his Being uh, a, uh, Alabama, right? Yeah, it's the Alabama when Nick Saban looking at his one three-star recruit and he's got the $1 bill. And that's Scott in in uh, in Jimmy Sexton's uh, cachet of clients, but he at least found a place for him to go uh, at Cincinnati. And aren't we all glad for that? Yes. Thank God for Jimmy Sexton. God bless everybody. I mean, I almost I don't care worried. if he blows the whole profession up. He saved us from Scott. Look, I, I here's the thing. <laughs> you know, we have we have deep uh, um, traditional hatred for Cincinnati. Obviously, they're our number one conference rival. It's always how I you know, uh, distinguished between them and Kentucky. Kentucky's our blood rival. Cincinnati was our number one conference rival. Obviously, they're not in the conference now. But I always uh, thought we belonged together. I know some people say otherwise, but I feel like Louisville and Cincinnati belong together. I just do. When we reignite, or if we ever reignite that series with them, I wonder if the hate will still be there. Because they did such a wonderful thing for us. It took Scott Satterfield away from our program and opened the door for the Jeff Brom era. I don't know if I can muster that hate that I've always uh, harbored for the Cincinnati Bearcats. I'm sure that if that ever happens, that we play them regularly again, that that hate will come right back. But right now, when we don't play them, it's like a long-lost cousin, man. i got nothing but love for them. Because of what they did for us. Yeah, there's there are people in your life. You think about it, like just whatever it is about them, you know, like the personality. You're like, I don't like you. We're not friends, but they did one thing for you. You're just like, yeah. And you're like, it doesn't. Everything else pales in comparison. That's right. That's right. Man. <laughs> whatever it I is, can't man. Not love thank you. you. Exactly. <laughs> I will overlook a lot. Right? Like, like there's no no part of me likes Maryland at all. <laughs> no. At all. But they went to the Big Ten for the money. Thank you. Thank you so much. Because it made a space for Louisville in the ACC. So we appreciate that. You'll always have a place in my heart. Absolutely. I haven't made a Maryland joke since that happened. Can I enter Cincinnati in a lightly used kidney pain? I'm just kidding. He's coming off his best. Look, he's coming off his best win in program history. We're going to so talk high. about this game. Why do you, you hate Kenny so Payne, Dave? Dave. <laughs> so high. <laughs> I, just wanted, I just wanted to make a joke. It was easy. It was there. The stock will never be higher on Kenny Payne. So, Cincinnati, come on now. <laughs> yeah, I guess it sucks because you're like, man, this is the best win of the Kenny Payne era. And then you're like, it's literally, there's like 10 of them. So, <laughs> it's, it's tough to, Top 10 win. to rank them. But that was a legitimately great win. It was great. It was a really enjoyable win. I loved watching it. What do you think? Uh, I feel badly for Kenny in this regard. You know, there was a better crowd than the yeah. week before uh, for the pit game. And they win at Miami. Now you got a Saturday game, home game coming up. But we're fearing weather apocalypse here. What do you think the crowd is like tomorrow for NC State? I don't. I mean, obviously, pending the weather, I think that if weather wasn't a factor, there would be more people in the stands. I would hope so. Yeah, I think a couple more, a couple thousand more. You know, and, and people that are here's, – here's the thing. And I know that, that we're all pretty sure that the writing's on the wall and they would take a pretty momentous, 
almost a miracle. Miraculous really, to, is to, the right word. I agree. Like, it, You're it, struggling with words well. today. It, well, more of I mean, Wednesday I'm, night is what we need for Kenny to say. That's that's that's. Uh, I think this is a word that you struggle for because miracle might be a little strong, but it's not that far off. You know, it's. But this is his opportunity for people to kind of, if they lean in a little bit, this will be a game to come out and and proof con- proof of concept. You know what I mean? Like just tell us, show us it's not a one off. That you can get this team to come out and play that way two games in a row. Now, NC State, uh, it's a completely different challenge than Miami. Miami was the number two three-point shooting team in the country. And they relied on that. Like, Until now. And no, they still are, actually. And, and, they hit 11. And no, I know. I am. In no way, shape, or form am I downgrading the win on Wednesday night at all. Uh, but they certainly didn't have an answer after Louisville shut down the paint. This is what you give them credit for, is that every single time – they uh, kicked the ball inside, or they dribbled. Uh, they tried to dribble drive. They tried to tried to take it to the rim. They were doubled. There were active hands. They forced a ton of turnovers to the point where Miami was almost forced to settle for three pointers. We were fortunate to a degree that they didn't hit more of them, but still, they had no option but to shoot the three. And a team like them is very much the definition of live by the three, die by the three, and they died by the three. Because they couldn't get anything else done, and that's a yeah. credit to the defense. I, I saw a lot of things happening that haven't been happening throughout the the Kenny Payne era. There was, like I said, the active hands, the collapsing on the paint. It was really hard for them to score inside the three point line, and that's what we had to do against them. Now, NC State's a different challenge. They they prov- uh, they provide a much different offense for us to go. Like they 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 force turnovers by the boatload. They don't turn the ball over that often themselves. I mean, we they, know Kevin Keats. Yeah, we know what kind of kind of team he coaches. They don't shoot the three ball very well. That's not a big part of their offense. They shoot about thirty two percent. They're in the two hundreds as a team. They don't rely upon it, which is a good thing for them and also maybe a bad thing. But we need to like it's going to be much harder for us to shut down the paint against them than it was against Miami. Miami is fine with that, quite frankly. It's a part of their offense. Like, oh, we'll just kick it out, we'll hit three-pointers, and we'll force you to stretch the floor. That's not something that NC State really does, nor can they do right. on a regular basis. So I feel like, however, though, with NC State, Kevin Keats, like that team on a regular basis is – a lot more aggressive defensively, one hundred percent. Than the Miami is. They, pro- they propose. You know, it, I hate to say this because people have been really like busting Ethan Moore's balls uh, the last couple of days, just because he merely brought up maybe Miami didn't play great, and that was part of why Louisville was but able to win the game. They underestimated us. Is basically well, what I, he said. I mean, I said the same thing with with uh, Cream when I did the, yeah. the Floyd Street's finest. Uh, to, uh, yesterday, like there, some of it might be that Louisville, for maybe like one of the few times in the history of the program, was taken a little lightly. Yeah, but like that's not enough. Louisville did things too. I think that that might be true. I, I don't think you're going to get that from from NC State, but they are Miami stylistically. They don't play super fast, and they don't play a lot of guys. And it was kind of tailor made for Louisville. Like if Miami also doesn't have a great game that there was the potential there for it to at least not be ugly, and Louisville was able to do even better than that. But NC State is a lot more high pressure, and there's really no way to replicate or even prepare for Burns. The guy is just – it's like you take your your favorite 
nose tackle and just make him a center. That's what he is. That's I love it. And I mean, I love DJ Burns. Like I do, but he's six nine two eighty, and looks like six nine two eighty. He's like, a left tackle. Yes, he's Jonathan Ogden. He's he plays basketball. Becton at center. Yeah. Yes, he absolutely. We all saw is. Mackay Becton in high school playing basketball. That's right. But that's the thing. Like that's, it's not a, like look. Louisville did some great things. Yeah, that's the first thing I'll tell you is that they took away the paint and they had those active hands and forced a ton of turnovers to the point where Miami didn't have a choice but to fire three pointers. It doesn't mean to say like we might have snuck up on them. It's not an insult. You know, it's not degrading the win. I think it was a phenomenal win. And they did it. And they felt like they were in control of the game. There were so many times where they could have quit or folded it in. And every time you thought, like, when Miami would stretch it out a little bit to five or seven, they came storming back to the point where they took over the game and took control of it, and they willed themselves to victory. They get all the credit in the world for that. That being said, Seven guys playing against NC State is a much bigger challenge than seven a rotation of seven men playing against Miami. Seven or eight. And that's not Kenny Payne's fault, the injuries and everything. We, that's not what we're saying. But it's going to be a much different challenge. And it presents a completely different style of play that you have to adjust to. And if they can somehow bring that same energy and adjust to NC State's level play and take care of the basketball and value the basketball because that's something that – is going to be paramount tomorrow. You have to take care of the basketball against NC State or they will make you pay. They turn teams over at a, at a high rate. And don't turn the ball over. That's the thing. They win that battle by six turnovers a game, I think, which yeah, is a, they, a significant thing. On Ken Palm, they are number two in the country, number two out of 363 teams in turnover percentage on offense. They don't turn it over. And they're in the top 60, so top one-sixth of college basketball in forcing turnovers. That's such a lopsided stat. When like to force a bunch of turnovers and to not turn it over better than than everybody but one team in the country, that's a they they're not going to help you. Yeah, they're just not going to help you. If they're top ten in their non-steal uh, turnover percentage, so like they don't travel, they don't step out of bounds, they don't do stupid stuff like that. Uh, they don't have the ball stolen like this. They don't turn it over. You're going to have to manufacture every point, which is kind of like kind of the offensive version of the thing we've talked about with Louisville on defense, where they don't stay dialed in for a whole possession uh, on the defensive side. And Miami just fell into that trap of not making them. NC State's just not going to help you. It's going to force Louisville to just display the things we saw last week or uh, on Wednesday night that were good. You're going to have to have all of that again. This team, this uh, NC State team, has four losses. They are to BYU, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and North Carolina. They haven't lost to a bum yet. And the, the Virginia team that beat Louisville in dominating fashion, they went the next game they lost to this NC State team by 16. Seems like we're having some technical difficulties with uh, Mark, so I think now might be we're going to take a quick break, try to get reset and figure out what's going on, and we'll be back momentarily on the drive on 93.9 The Ville. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market. 
right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis. And Biggest Biscuit, also known as Dave Skull. As good as the regular season is, there's nothing like NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Six games, three days. For these teams, it's win or go home. But you'll, you'll always have a spot in the playoffs with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. FanDuel has so many ways for you to pick up a dub. I mean, I'm, I know, like, like, you know how I am? Fat Jack hates it. Yes, I love parlays. That's right. I'm going to be parlaying all six games. It's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go for the gold. So if you want to follow my picks, go to FanDuel right now. New customers get started with $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash biscuit to join today. That's FanDuel.com slash biscuit. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Must be 21 and over and present in Kentucky. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I can't wait to bet parlays this weekend. Mark, you have no idea. You hate money. We Everyone knows this. Oh, but I'm up. I'm up like $1,700 a season. Okay, and that's because I hit a $2,400 parlay earlier this year. <laughs> and I'm looking to hit another one. 8150-939, that's uh, the number if you'd like to get in here. 38-31-939 for the UPS Jobs text line. You can hit us up that way. We will just dump the gas bag at 5, so we'll have a chance uh, to have a little fun here uh, in the final hour. Since we've been talking about Kalen DeBoer uh, taking over for... Uh, Nick Saban at Alabama. We now also know uh, Gerard Mayo going to take over yeah. in New England. Let's start with you, Spencer. How does your um, Boston beating heart react to that news? You know, I wish we did like an actual search where we you know interview outside candidates, et cetera. But you know, last year it became official when they're like, okay, we're keeping Gerard Mayo around. Something's going to happen to the contract. And they built into the contract that he's a successor, which I thought was a good idea at the time. I just think if I think they would plan on this year not going as south as it did, and that like next year maybe the year where Belichick rides off to the sunset, hangs it up, and then you know Gerard Mayo takes over after the fact. I like the move. He's young now, the youngest coach in the NFL. Take that, Sean McVay. It took you long enough to be the second youngest coach in the NFL, but uh, I think next year the GM hires the one I want to know who that is because I think that will dictate. If Hiring the guy goes. from uh, San Francisco, like so that just no, that's happened the, like the same. That was the Commanders that hired him. Oh, that was New England hired him. No, it was the Commanders. Unless I uh, misread well, hey, something. There you go. No, I thought it was New England. Either way, I think it's interesting that they went with Mayo because, like, you, you're. I'm rooting for him. Believe me, but like you're you're going away from Belichick, but you hired internal. It's yeah. almost it, in a weird way. It's it almost sharpens the point of like we think. Bill, we think you are the problem. But I think uh, the interesting part of this is, is, and maybe where he failed more than anything is the GM position. Sure, you know, you're separating out the roles again. You know, and 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 having a young like head most coach, places do exactly. There's very few coaches that do both roles, and there are even fewer that do them well. I mean, oftentimes when a coach gets to the point where they can dictate the GM role, either either they have they are the GM or they have final say on personnel moves. It's not necessarily the best thing in the world that's ever happened. It's been the downfall of many a great coach. 
Um, Bill O'Brien being one point, of them. Exactly. There you go. And he shouldn't have had that control to begin with. But I think that it was as much that, like, look, Bill, I think that your value as a head coach is probably diminished to the point where it's your role as GM has already been in question for years now, especially since Tom Brady left. Yep. Like your 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 judgment calls, like your your misses are more. Uh, it just doesn't make sense to give you this kind of power. And I think as an organization, they're ready to divorce themselves from him in both roles, not just him as a head coach, but him as a GM. And it wasn't worth the squeeze anymore to have him in both roles. Um, yeah, and I, I I actually was I was making jokes. I mean, I think it's hilarious that his last game was a loss to the Jets. Um, Ironically poetic, how I'm putting that. Right. And I think the decision was already made weeks ago, but I'm not really looking forward to having like a young energetic coach in there who might turn that franchise around. I was hoping they would be middling with, with Belichick for another couple of years. But I said earlier this year, when we had this as a buy or sell, I said, I thought he would get fired at the end of the year and he wouldn't make the, uh, he wouldn't reach the record, put it that way. And I was, uh, I was two for two on that. It felt as mutual. Not always. always, No, don't always hit those. Like, I know we joke about, you know, the mutual parting of ways. It felt as mutual as it could have been. Like, I obviously, Kraft has a final say. He's the owner of the franchise. And, like, I think Kraft, you know, wanted it gone. But also, like, there's some Seth Rickersham reporting that I haven't had a chance to fully deep dive in. But it's like, look, both of them were, the relationship was kind of souring. It's like, Bill wanted certain things. Kraft's going to want certain things. And it was going to be, like, untenable going forward. But it was as mutual as I think it could have been when you see mutual parting of ways. But I think it was still Kraft's call. Wasn't necessarily done with football, but I think that his relationship with Kraft, I think he was pretty much done with with New England. Like I don't think he's going to pop up as a coach elsewhere. But you know, I think that he's just it's it's like you put it, it's pretty much untenable going forward. And it was like it they couldn't go into another season with Bill Belichick as coach, not after the last couple. Isn't that isn't it absurd that you said that? And that, and, that and that by and large, like it's right. Yeah. But I think it just goes to show you, especially in the in the pros, like the there is not near the like the half life of success that college gets you. You know, like we talk yeah. about successful programs, it still feels awesome to beat Miami football in yeah. football, even even though they have not been Miami for twenty years. It's still kind of feels like you get a little yeah. bit of that yeah for sure and in the pros like belichick won the super bowl what, like five years ago or what yeah. <laughs> six years ago and you're like they can't do another year of this yeah can't do it well it's i think that the accelerant there is the divorce with tom brady and it looks fair or not i mean belichick's going to go down as either the best nfl coach of all time or one of the top two or three okay fair or not tom brady leaving winning a Super Bowl elsewhere, and the Patriots largely floundering since he left is somewhat of a black mark on his on his legacy to a degree. He never like, won a Super Bowl without Tom Brady. You know, He never went to the playoffs without Tom Brady. Oh, he, did. he did the Mac Jones he did. rookie he years did. ago. He did after Tom Brady left. So... But you know, like he didn't—he didn't have his great successes. I, I like the idea of it him being. I'm going to prove that it wasn't Brady. We're going to make the playoffs with no quarterback at all. That's right. <laughs> Which is exactly what they I'm did. Thumbing his nose at him. Yeah, but that, that's. I feel like it is somewhat of a black mark on his legacy, or at least it's what some people. When you're assessing him as a coach, and you say, "Well, they just won the Super Bowl five years ago," 
Yeah, but then Tom Brady left, and they haven't looked the same. Doug Peterson wants to be on fire like two years later. You know, so it's one of those things. What did you say, Spencer? Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl thing like two years later was fired. Yeah. And Sirianni, they may want Sirianni out this year. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I don't see that, but I know some Eagle fans that would really want Sirianni gone. Despite that defense this year. looked awful at the end of the season. Uh, I mean, John Gannon went to uh, Arizona. I mean, does that have something to do with it? Let's give a little love to John Gannon. Come on. Come on, everybody. Go ahead, flowers give some love to John Gannon. You're the, you're the flowers the, to a Louisville, a former John, Louisville Gannon player. Gannon, okay? Stan. Go ahead. Yeah. I just okay. gave my flowers okay. to John Gannon. Are you going to do that? No. Why do you hate John Gannon? They won four games. Uh, I'm not giving that many flowers that's to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. They won I'll four games. I'll give it games. a flower. How yeah, about okay. that? They did beat some just good teams, won. though. They beat Dallas and Philadelphia. They played they hard down the stretch. They did. I'm joking about every bit of this. No, I know. But, I, I, it, but it, seriously, though, like their defense looked awful in Philly yeah. down the stretch. And there were some injuries involved. But overall, it's just like hapless defense, like alarmingly bad defense on the last five games of the year. I just think it's, the storylines in the playoffs, the way they're set up right now, are fascinating to me. You've got historic absurd weather. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kansas City, Kansas City. and Buffalo, where they're talking 50, 60-mile-an-hour winds, maybe a foot of snow on game day. Uh, for that one, and and Jonathan Jones and others, you know, saying the NFL is not going to move that game, it, it kind of sharpens the point that I think a lot of people have made. Why is the NFL allowing Buffalo to build a new stadium right. that is not a dome? It's not a dome. Yeah. Like I'm all for football weather and make the teams from warm climates come up here too. All that, but but I don't romanticize weather ruining the game. Like like that's not fun. I never once wore sleeves, you know, when I played football, and it was offensive linemen don't wear sleeves, you know, but that that that's going to be put to the test in Kansas City. It's thirty below, and it's the Dolphins of all teams. Thirty below, and the Dolphins have to have to play in Kansas City. It's gonna be wild. It's gonna which, be a weird weekend. Which Dolphins player do you set, think will be on the field pregame shirtless, or not maybe not pregame, but like early in the day will be shirtless on the field? Because Tyreek Hill, them. I think Tyreek's doing that for sure. Not one of them, no. Whoever whoever does it will have frostbite on his nipples and won't be playing in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Did you mean totally shirtless? Yeah, you know we see it all the time with like or like got not yeah. like guys just got shirtless and shorts, whatever. Like, oh, I'm not afraid of the cold. It's like, yeah, get, you're looking at hypothermia, sir. I don't well, care. Ty- Tyreek Hill played in Kansas City for years, so that's true. He he might and Central it. Michigan, he right? Like he's a, uh, yeah, he's he done this. Do might do it as like a. Look how tough I am, you know. But how funny is it going to be? We're going to have Hoff in these two games. <laughs> and then Monday night, it might be like 75 when the Bucks host Philadelphia. Yeah. It's just weird. That was like the Dolphins storyline on Sunday night football was like, if you win, you stay in Miami and you play in like 70-degree yeah. weather. If you lose, you go to Kansas City where it's negative 30 degrees potentially. Which is why I didn't, on the windshield, like, that is. I, I didn't buy into the, the Bills have more of a uh, motivation, you know, conversation which yeah if they lost they'd miss the playoffs but Miami had just as much to play for really you know to avoid traveling to Kansas City uh and for a long time I I felt comfortable with it until that stupid freaking punt return (laughs) ruined my life how many punt returns are you scarred by 
A lot. Like too many. Does the Devin Lots Hester one probably? The Patriots one last yeah. year against the, the ten to three game. Uh, UConn. Larry Taylor from the yeah. fake fair catch. Absolutely. There are so many. At least you got the Gibson one on Monday Night Football to start the year against the Bills. Great. And that was a pretty great moment. Oh, I was happy it for you guys, and I hate the Jets. Every every win that we got this year just knocked us farther down. Which which of the playoff games uh, that we have most intrigues you guys? In this first weekend, go down the list real quick. Just you get uh, on Monday night. You have Tampa Bay hosting Philadelphia, yeah. uh, who is in total disarray. AJ Brown didn't practice. Jalen Hurts has a hurt finger. General disarray. They've looked yeah. bad down the stretch for sure. Uh, on Sunday night, uh, the Rams at Lions. Uh, Sunday afternoon, you have Packers at the Cowboys. Uh, sun the Sunday one o'clock game is Steelers at the Bills in the weather we were just describing. Uh, Steelers, no J.J. Watt for that one. Uh, and then on Saturday, Saturday night, you have Dolphins at the Chiefs. And the Saturday afternoon 4.30 game is Cleveland at the Texans. Uh, with Joe Flacco doing this miraculous thing, I just saw uh, earlier, Cleveland favored by two on the road at Houston right now. It's the first time they've been favored in a playoff game since 1994. I think there was a guy years. named Belichick coaching that team that day. Correct. I think Saban had, had recently been there, too. That's so weird. There's not a stinker among that bunch. No. Opinion. They all have interest. I think great storylines, Detroit too. versus Matthew Stafford. Yeah. That's the one Detroit. I like. Yeah, their home, a home playoff game for them after everything. They haven't still haven't won a playoff game since 97. Yeah. 97. You can be 26 years old, your team's never won a playoff game. The fact that they're hosting – is amazing. Stafford's coming back. His wife is popping off. It's pretty great. Um, uh, that McCarthy facing the Packers, I think, is a nice one. Um, Tyreek Hill with the Chiefs. I mean, there's a lot of really good storylines, but take it all away. I, I'm most intrigued. I guess I'm most looking forward to watching the Lions-Rams. It sounds weird, but I just am. Like, I've liked the Lions story all year. I would like them to win a playoff game or two. Same. Yeah, and I kind of root for chaos, and it would be awesome to see the Lions kind of prove that this – they've already proven that it's not a, a fluke, you know, between last year. They're come up they're, they're, they're come up last year and then kind of reinforcing it this year with a division title. Um, it feels like they finished the rebuild job this year, right? Like, if, if it feels like they finished the job of just rebuilding. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, of Dan Campbell and how he's built it at uh, at Detroit and but honestly like looking at the other games like the the weather uh, the weather considerations with uh, with Kansas City Miami I'm a I like watching the chaos like it, some people look at it and go you know is this even football anymore you can't throw the ball downfield I like watching teams try to negotiate like 50 degree or 50 mile per hour wins 30 below it's chaos to me and i like that kind of stuff like I, i'm i'm with you that like you know the extreme weather that almost changes changes the sport well, they can't I'm not play necessarily the game rooting right for it but this is right on the border you okay. know where it's where i think i want to see them try <laughs> you know what i mean it's I not it's not livable it's not livable conditions but man i want to see them try to negotiate with the Dolphins' offense up there playing in thirty below, yeah, 
in Kansas City. They're just gonna do in routes with Tyreek Hill and like just a cute like running back draw with uh, wide receiver chain. screens. Yeah, just do like yeah. any short yeah. pass. Just get the ball in Tyreek's hands and hope he can outrun the guys there. That's all That's you got. I, I, I just want to see how they negotiate it. How McDaniel does in this weather. I think if you're Pittsburgh though, with what's being projected in Buffalo, it's exa- It's just what the doctor it's ordered. What you want? Because yeah. Buffalo doesn't like to run the ball, and it might be all you can do. And it, comp- it it largely, I would think, if you have five inches of snow on the ground, Josh Allen is just a big dude. Yeah, you know, like if if the running conditions are are that hampered, the Steelers can win a game where all you can do is play trench warfare. They can yeah. do that all day. Yeah, it's at least going to be, especially with the. I don't know what you do. I don't think anybody's going to have a big lead in this game, but I I don't know what you do in that situation. Like, what's Buffalo going to do in sixty? 60- or 50 mile per hour wins, whatever it's going to be. They don't throw the ball downfield, and Josh Allen is their best running back. I mean, he's, look, like they've got running backs. Imagine if he gets one in the wind, though, and he just uncorks one, and it's just like out of the stadium, yeah. right? Like, yeah, like, like a, a nerf like commercial. A home run. Yeah, yeah. Like a nerf commercial. It takes it. You hear the whistle, and it's just gone. <laughs> it's, it's in Lake Erie. <laughs> it just it doesn't even start to descend. It just keeps right. going right out of the stadium. But what do you do with a like Josh? Josh Allen is the most physical runner they've got. I know. Does he end up toting the ball more than usual that game? Do they get him out in space and then just have designed runs or some RPOs with him? I don't know. On the perimeter? I don't know. Hey, let's, uh, we're going to take a break. Let's play Stump the Gas back now. So if you want to join us, 8150-939, get in here. We'll play Stump the Gas back on the other side here. On the drive on I find the bill. Be right back. <laughs> 